Amen. Well, good morning, church family. So glad you're here today. Praise the Lord, you braved the, um, the elements, the cold, the winter, the snow, the, the slush and all that, and you decided to come to church because you believe, like I do, that God has something for us, that every time we gather, there's a reason for that, and God has something for us. And so I'm so glad that you're here to start the new year with us, uh, welcoming in our GT North audience. Uh, grateful as well that you guys were able to have an 11 a.m. service today, and so we welcome you in. We love you all. And love what God is doing at GT North and believe that God has a word for you as well. Man, God stirred something in my heart today. Um, It's for you online as well. So if you're joining us online, you weren't able to get out of the house and get shoveled out or whatever, uh, but you're doing church online, man, we welcome you and are so glad that you have joined us as well. And I want to say this from the very beginning, not just for everybody who's in the room today. You know, if you're in a room, we kind of have a captive audience and our doors are now locked so you can't even leave if you wanted to. Just kidding. But um, I want to say to you online, uh, make sure you stay to the end today. You have, you know, it would be easy for you, man. Okay, the message get long or whatever, like I'm going to log off. It is so urgent for you to stay tuned in for the entire message today. I believe that God has given me a word for some of you that will radically transform your life today. And I, I believe that with all my heart, often when I come onto the stage and I, I believe today is a very vital message for some of you to hear, whether you're GT North online or in this room, man, I'm so excited to unfold this word for you today. I believe that God wants to do something in your life. I do want to make mention, I see Mark and April Klein here. I know I see it head shaking already, but Mark and April have been part of our church for 20 years and they are moving to California, I think hitting the road today. Uh, last Sunday, we saw Jose and Jessica, a, a, a staple family in our church, moving to Florida. I don't want all of you all to move, okay? Stay in Berks County. It doesn't get better than Berks County. We know that already. But on occasion, people leave. So if you see Mark in April, make sure you give him a hug and, and, and say your farewells to them. They've been part of our church, like I said, for 20 years, and they're hitting the road today to, to head on out to California, where Mark is from originally. So love these guys. They've been servants here. And let's just thank them for 20 years of serving the church and being part of our church family. Uh, so listen, um, before I jump into today's word, I want to give some, some, at least some groundwork again. This is some groundwork that I've been laying in the church for almost three years now since I've been given the incredible privilege of uh, being called the lead pastor here and getting to serve out and live out my call to ministry at GT. I've been sharing with you what I believe are four pillars of the church. And I think a brand new year is perfect occasion to remind us of the pillars of the church and also what should become, I believe, the pillars of our lives. And here are the four pillars of this church. And these will always be pillars in the church. I want you to know that in light of changing times around us, this church is going to stay fastened to what is true in God's word. So pillar number one is this, that we want to have an unwavering commitment to God's word and its priority in our church and in our lives. All of these pillars are not just for the corporate expression of the body of Christ, but they are also, I believe, pillars that each of us should have working in our own personal lives. So God's word and its priority in our lives. Pillar number two, that we ought to have an unwavering commitment to God's son and his lordship in our church and in our lives. You know, there are, we're tempted at times to be drawn away to different ideologies and philosophies and things and, and, and behaviors. And 
reminding you today that we are called to the lordship of Jesus Christ. This church will always exist under his lordship. And I hope that you surrender your life personally to that as well. Number three, we would have an unwavering commitment to God's spirit and his leadership in our church and in our lives. We always endeavor, our staff, our board, our elders at this church, we want to be a spirit-led church. And I hope that we as a church can lead you into living a spirit-led life as well. And so that's a third pillar. The fourth one, uh, that we would have an unwavering commitment to prayer and its place in our church and in our lives. I hope that you'll adopt that. These four pillars, I hope that these would make up some of the pillars of your life. They will be pillars in this church for many, many years to come. As long as God prospers and allows me to, to be part of leading this church, these will be pillars of who we are and how we exist. In light of this fourth pillar, uh, the pillar of prayer, I want to share with you uh, the prayer points for this week. Uh, many of you know this already. If you're new to the church, maybe you aren't aware of this, but we are part of what's called the Assemblies of God. We are a Pentecostal church. We want to be a spirit-led group of believers. So we're Pentecostal. Uh, we are part of the Assemblies of God, which is a global movement of millions of believers all over planet Earth. There are 11,000 Pentecostal Assemblies of God churches in America and probably 10 times that number around the world. And so we are part of that movement of Pentecostal believers called the Assemblies of God. And our superintendent and our leadership team in Springfield, Doug Clay was here in the fall. He spoke here on the stage. He's our general superintendent of all of the Assemblies of God in America. And they released uh, seven different prayer focuses for this week. And I want, I want us to adopt these as an Assemblies of God church. We are proud of our our heritage, and I want to share these with you that as ways that you and I can be focused together in prayer the next seven days. You're going to get these in an email. If you've ever given us your contact info, you'll get these in an email later today as a way of reminding you of these seven different aspects of prayer. So, And, and the overall perspective is that we are believing God this year as an Assemblies of God church for a great awakening to happen in our nation. How many can agree that we need an awakening in America? Come on, somebody. So that's the overall overarching focus. And then here are the seven different daily aspects that we're going to pray together on. Uh, today, we're believing God for consistency, asking God to help us to be faithful and steadfast in prayer, which is one of our pillars. On Monday, a focus on repentance, praying to repent of our sins and seek God's favor for ourselves, our families, and our nation. On Tuesday, inviting us to agree together about intercession, letting that be a focus, and praying for the Holy Spirit's strength to persist in prayer. On Wednesday, we'll pray together with a focus of evangelism, uh, praying for boldness to share the gospel with those who need Christ. I hope that you will pray with me for individual boldness, that this year would be a brand new year in your life, in your personal uh, response to the Spirit of God, wanting to see people through your life come to know Jesus and that you would have an increased boldness in your life and sharing your faith in Christ. On Thursday, let's be unified in a focus on unity, uh, praying that believers will be unified in love as we seek God together. On Friday, 
uh, praying with a focus on spiritual gifts, praying for the gifts of the Spirit to operate in our lives and in our churches. Again, there's that dual focus in our lives personally and in our churches corporately. And then on Saturday, uh, uh, together we'll pray for renewal, praying for a deeper desire to know Christ and to experience the power of his spirit in our lives. And so, again, you'll get an email with this information in it later today. It might be in your inbox already. I'm not sure. Uh, But make these a daily focus with me. These are going to be part of my daily prayer life this week. I hope that you'll join me. And then next Sunday, I'm going to bring to you my personal prayer points for GT Church in 2024. Last year, I gave you a card that listed some of the things I was believing God for in our church. One of those things was believing God for a thousand people to come to know Jesus through the ministry of GT Church. Well, we had 1,016 people last year raise their hand for Jesus. And so God is good to this church. And so next week, I'm going to share our prayer points together uh, for 2024. But today, today is a critically important message for every single one of you listening In this room. If you are joining us online, if you're at GT North today, this message is of vital importance for you personally today. Uh, I shared a message similar to this about five years ago, uh, and I want to reshare it. Somebody said to me after first service, I should I should preach this message twice a year, every year. I believe what you're about to hear carries incredible potential. Potential, because it hasn't yet been realized, but it's potential to equip you to walk in a victorious life in Jesus Christ. Uh, We're starting the series called Reset today. Uh, We're going to hear four messages in the month of January around this theme of reset. Uh, Next Sunday, Greg Hubbard will be with us to talk about resetting our habits. Uh, In two weeks, I'll talk about resetting our worldview. Uh, On the last Sunday, resetting our finances. But today... I want to talk with you about resetting your thought life. Resetting your thought life. And again, I I want you to stay tuned today. I believe that the things that I'm going to share have incredible potential to bring a lasting change in your life, ongoing transformation in your life and in my life. If you're listening, say amen. amen. All right. On day 42 after conception, your brain began to experience a four-month growth spurt. From the day you were conceived, on day 42, your body was programmed by God this way. Neuron number one is formed on day 42. And after that, 9,500 neurons are born every second in your developing brain, in the womb, in utero, from day 42 on, 9,500 neurons are being formed in your brain every single second for the next, whatever, seven months. After 120 days, you will have 100 billion neurons formed in your brain. 100 billion neurons, by 120 days, still in utero, your brain will have 100 billion neurons formed. And on day one, on on 60 days after birth, those neurons begin to form connections with one another. They're called synapses. Some of you 
maybe four of you science geeks like me would know that phrase, or maybe biology major. They form synapses. It's a connection between two neurons. It's a synapse. And at day 60, you're in, in utero, your brain begins to connect with itself. And those 100 billion neurons, by the time you're born and by the time you're three years old, 100 billion neurons will each, each of them, will have formed 15,000 individual synaptic connections inside of your brain. 100 billion neurons, each with 15,000 individual connections with other neurons. Which means that within your brain, you have 1.5 times 10 to the 15th synaptic connections. Right now in your brain, firing electrical impulses in your brain, 1.5 with 15 zeros behind it. That's happening in your brain right now. At Stanford University, a bioengineer said this, from, the, from a pure energy perspective, the brain is hard to match. Not only are personal computer, computers slower, listen to this, they take 40 times, 40,000 times the amount of power to operate than your brain does. Your brain has 100 billion neurons, 15,000 synaptic connections for each neuron. And it requires 40,000 times less energy to operate than this iPad. Church, as we begin this year, can we just pause and marvel at how we are fearfully and wonderfully made? <laughs> you are a miracle. Every single moment of every day, your body is a supernaturally designed miracle. It is, mind, pun intended, mind-blowing, mind-boggling how fearfully and wonderfully complex you are. Husbands and wives said amen, just kidding. Um, you are, we are complex people with very complicated Brain. So the question today is that I want to try to address is how do I manage all of that? How do I manage a hundred billion neurons, 15,000 connections each? How do I manage all of that? You know, it's, it's common that we have the experience together that we would say that when a thought is in our mind, we're like, how did that get there? You ever have that experience? Raise your hand if you're like, you have a thought in your head like, how on earth did that get there? I don't even know why I'm thinking what I'm thinking right now. Or you, you feel like at times your, your, your thought life is like a tangled up mess of Christmas lights, right? Like uh, in coffee with the pastor this morning, somebody said, he was probably 55 years old. He said, pastor, you've described my life since I'm 17 years old. Like this, friend, this is a common experience. Every single person listening today can relate to this. You, have, you see an image, you're, you're watching TV, you're driving down the highway, you're walking down the mall, what malls are left today, and you see something and that image gets burned on your cerebral cortex and you can't get rid of it and you wish you could. Or a thought that somehow enters your mind lingers past its welcome and you're wondering to yourself, how do I get that thought out of my head? Every one of us, most of us anyway, have probably had the experience where we're watching TV 
and one of those annoying commercial jingles comes on the TV, right? Come on, you know what they are, right? Like State Farm is there, you know, you, you know that jingle, right? Or BK, have it your way. How many know the Burger King jingle, right? You can think of several probably right now that some of you probably can remember commercial jingles from the 80s. If we're being honest, right? That stuff gets lodged. It gets stuck up there, right? Like here's one that on some, some of the less popular network broadcasting networks, you'd hear this one. And, and finish this line if you know it. At, at 9 a.m., nobody knew this one. Okay, GT North, I want you to play my game. If you know the end of this sentence, finish it for me. You don't have to be lonely. Yes, at farmersonly.com. That's a commercial jingle that has haunted me many times over. Come on, GT North. And it's a real website. Visit it. Don't do it now, right? You don't have to be lonely. Anyway, how do we get this stuff out of our head? I'm so glad you asked that question today because I believe that God's word has an answer. And I believe this, church, I believe this, that if you can learn how to dislodge a silly commercial jingle from your mind, you will have learned how to live a victorious life in Christ. That feels like a really bold, unsubstantiated claim at this point. I promise you I'm going to show you in Scripture why I believe this to the core of my being. And I believe that this has incredible potential to radically transform your life. In fact, I'm going to start right there. Romans 12, 2. Paul wrote these words. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul put pen to paper 2,000 years ago and said that the pathway to transformation is mind renewal. The gateway for you to live a transformed life is to start with renewing your mind. That is the gateway to transformation. Erwin Lutzer said this, the difference between worldliness and godliness is a renewed mind. The difference between living a worldly life and a life like Jesus, he said, is a renewed mind. Living a victorious Christian life may very well hinge on learning how to manage your mind. Too many Christians, I think you'll agree with me, too many Christians live in bondage because they've never learned how to win in their head. Too many believers, those who are bought by the blood of Jesus, are still living in bondage because they've never learned how to win in their heads. Brothers and sisters, this ought not to be. Here's my bottom line. If you forget everything else I say, this is the bottom line today. You're not what you think you are. What you think you are. You're not what you think you are, what you think you are. I've got three main points today. If you open your church, GT Church Bible app, you can take notes, you can write them in your Bible, whatever. Whatever you do with this information, it's on you. But I'm doing what God put in my heart to share with you. There are three main points today. The first is this. Number one, your thoughts will shape your reality. 
In Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, God's eternal word said this, For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks, or a woman, as a man or woman thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible is saying to you that you will eventually become the sum total of what's happening between your ears. Every word and every deed that you think and speak and act on will be a product of something that happened here first. If you're listening, still say amen, church. Everything that you say and do is an outflow of your thought life and your heart life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. A very simple illustration will suffice if you spend all of your day considering how blessed you are and all of the blessings that God has filled your life with and all that you're grateful for and thankful for, if that's what you occupy your mind with, it's very likely that you live a joy-filled life. In contrast, if you find yourself spending much of your time in your head thinking about all that's gone wrong in your life and all the negative in your life and all the bad in your life and all the ills and, and, and difficulties and infirmities and circumstances that are haunting you. If you spend your days dwelling on the negative, I promise you, you probably feel the same way about your life. Your thought life will determine your reality. Your perception of your reality will be gauged by what happens up here. Number two. Wow, pastor, we're flying through this three-point message. Not so fast. <laughs> Number two. And this probably will be a bit more difficult for some of you to uh, digest. It will be less, a little bit less palatable to hear this, what I believe is a true statement. Your thoughts must rule your emotions. Your thought life must rule your emotions. Paul said these words. He wrote this in 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Paul said, under, again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we have this book. And the eternal Spirit of God through the Apostle Paul said, that we are instructed to take captive, not some, not many, not most. Take captive every thought. How do I do that, Pastor? My brain thinks a thousand thoughts a day. Every one of them? Every one of them. Take captive every thought and make it obedient to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Amen to that. Thank you for that. Too many people let their emotions rule their lives. Too many people let their feelings rule their lives. In fact, I know that you know someone like this. They make too many decisions based on what they feel. And I'm not sure that your feelings, listen to me carefully, church. I'm not sure that your feelings accurately represent the voice of God. Now, your feelings are there by God's design. I'm not, don't hear me wrong with this. Like, you have been created by God to have feelings and emotions. Christ himself had feelings and emotions. They are there by God's design, but they're there not always to lead your life, 
but simply to indicate what's happening on the inside of you. I believe that God has given you a mind and an intricate one, a complex one with 100 billion neurons to, listen to me, to work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. In concert with the Spirit of God, your mind has been given to you to lead your life, not your feelings. Your feelings and your emotions make terrible masters. Your emotions and your feelings make terrible masters, and they are rarely, if ever, indicators of truth. This is hard to hear, isn't it? For some of us, like, man, like, I, I thought I felt that. And too many people are letting their feelings and their emotions rule and lead their lives. And I don't believe that's what God gave them to us for. I believe God has said to us, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Be led by your mind and not your emotions. Many of us, if you remember grammar school, you remember some of this, the simple rules of the English language. Now, how many of you listening today, English is not your first language, raise your hand. English is not your first language. Got, we have many in our Hispanic community here, many probably even at GT North, like English is not your first language. If you learn, now I can't tell you by experience, but I've talked to people. If you have learned English as a second language, you probably have discovered that English doesn't always follow its own rules. Nope, right, sister Julissa, right? Doesn't always follow its own rules. There are exceptions to the exceptions to the rules. Here are some of the rules, though. And I, don't, I never understood this one. Why is it a big deal? But in grammar school, you're told never end a sentence with a preposition. Who cares? Right? But that's what they say. Um, my wife is a reading specialist, and I hear her talk about this. When a word ends with E, the vowel says its name. Again, if you're, if for grade school kids, you're trying to learn how to pronounce words. When a, when a word ends in E, the vowel says its name. Here's one that I think many of us can finish this sentence. If you remember this from grade school, finish this. I before E, except after C, in words like neighbor and way. Right? I before E. I want to borrow that today. Intellect before emotions. It doesn't mean that God will never prompt your heart to lead you in some direction. I believe God stirs the heart. Please hear me right on this. God does stir the heart. When, when God called us to ministry, my wife and I, he stirred our heart, friend. He grabbed our heart. And our feelings were involved. I want you to know that. We just shared our story yet again in conflict with the pastor. But I want to encourage you, I before E, intellect before emotion, as a general rule in your life. This is huge. I believe it's time for a reset for some of us in this room. It's time to reset this, this practice of managing and resetting your thought life. Um, Paul Valeri said this, Listen to this. One of the most important thoughts, our most important thoughts are those which contradict our emotions. If we're being honest, church, many of us, when we feel something strongly, we're simply looking for people who will agree with us. Come on, right? Like, if you really, 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 really want to do something, you're just hunting for people who will say, oh, yeah, go for it. Some of the most important thoughts or voices you will ever hear in your life are those which contradict your emotions. And you need to listen to those. Your thoughts 
will determine your reality and your thoughts, number two, must rule your emotions. Number three, this is the final point. Your thoughts are your responsibility. Now, in our, in our couples class, my wife and I have been leading for over 20 years. Uh, one of the teachings that we cover in the class, and many of you have taken the class with us. I see some of your faces here. We say this about husbands and wives. When you feel agitated, frustrated, irritated, this is the truth. My response is my responsibility. In, in marriage, you cannot blame your spouse for how you responded. You may be angry or, or frustrated with them, but your response ultimately is your responsibility. Parents, this works great with kids too. It's a, it's a little nugget for you as parents, right? You remind your children, you, your, your response is your responsibility. I don't care if you're five or 15, the way that you respond as a child is your responsibility. Teach your children that. They can't say, well, my brother made me do it. No, your response is your responsibility. Can I tell you, church, today that your thoughts are your responsibility. Nobody else on this earth can manage your thought life except you. Not even God is going to come in and take control of your thought life. I'll, 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 I'll support that with scripture in just a second. Now the Holy Spirit is being given to you as a gift to, to cooperate and to lead you in this, but your thoughts are your responsibility. Thomas Traherne, he was an English theologian, he said this, as nothing is more easy than to think, so nothing is more difficult than to think well. It's easy to think, right? Many of us sit around and your, your brain races, your mind races. Some, sometimes spare time is your worst enemy, right? Don't they say that the idle mind is the devil's workshop? Think about that today. An idle mind is sometimes the worst thing. It's easy to think. It's not easy to think well. Your thoughts are your responsibility, you, you, and, and some will say this, and, and, and I've probably said it, I can't always control what comes into my mind. Be honest, how many have thought that or said that in your life? I can't always control what comes in my mind. Those of you who are being honest, you're exact, you're 100% correct. You cannot control what always comes in your mind. You're walking down the street again, driving down, you're watching TV, something comes on the TV, and you're like, oh my word, I don't want to think about that. I didn't... I don't know how that got in there. It's an absolute fact. You cannot always control what comes into your mind, but you can control what stays there. Your thoughts are your responsibility. That's why Paul said, take captive every thought. Take under military garrison every thought that enters your mind. You may not be able to control all the thoughts that come in there, but you can control what stays there. You know, before we've, we've, we've likened our brain, our mind, our thought life to a barn. Imagine a barn that has many birds that fly into the barn. Some birds will, will fly into the barn from one end and they'll just fly right through and go out the other side. But some birds fly in that barn and they'll find a place and they'll build a nest. And they'll make a home in that barn. Your mind, your thought life, your brain is much like a barn. And there are thoughts that come in your mind that simply need to go right out through the other side. And some of us, when sinful or unwanted thoughts enter our minds, rather than dismissing it, 
we make a home for it. And we build a nest for that sinful thoughts. And we, we dwell on it. We, we meditate on those thoughts that don't belong there, that don't produce the life of Christ. And rather than sending them out the other side, we make a home for those thoughts. And I want to teach us how to overcome that tendency that we have at times to, to make a home for it. I believe one of the most important things that you will ever learn to do in resetting your thought life is learning how to replace thoughts that don't belong there. For a, for a goofy terminology, I'll call it thought replacement therapy. You need to learn how to replace the thoughts in your mind, just like you might do in your parenting, right? How many have young children at home? Raise your hand. Tell me, tell me, parents, even if you raise children already, tell me you haven't had your eight-year-old ask you a question that you weren't ready to answer, right? A mature topic or theme gets brought up somehow in conversation. You're like, I ain't ready for that conversation. What do you do? You change the subject, right? You just change the subject. Oh, at the dinner table, they ask you a question you don't think is, it's not the right time or I'm not sure how to respond. Hey, did you want some ice cream, honey? <laughs> you change the subject. Friend, it's the same way in your mind. Why don't you learn how to change the subject in your own mind? I'll tell you, this works with our dog, right? <laughs> when Chloe comes in from, from being outside doing her business, right? She'll stand by the garage door and she will sit there and wait hours for her treat. Because she knows that every time she goes outside and comes inside, she sits by that door and I've got a greenie treat for her. And if, I don't, if I'm not forthcoming, she will sit there and just wait. Unless I distract her with something else. And then she's, oh, she's happy to go along with, how, why? Because I replaced her thought. Let me do a little experiment with you guys. GT North, I need you to participate as well. Online, online, you need to do this. I want you to picture in your mind for a moment what a zebra looks like. Pastor, where are you going with this? Just humor me for a second, okay? A zebra, right? Shaped like a horse, a little bit smaller, like a, a big pony. A zebra's got a mane, long neck, snout. But what's the most characteristic of a zebra? White with black stripes. Or it's black with white stripes. Whatever you believe about that, whatever your zebra ideology is, I don't know. White and black stripes, right? That's what a zebra has. Now, I want you to stop thinking about zebras. No more zebras. I want you to stop thinking. Don't picture zebras in the red jacket. No zebras, okay? No zebras online. No zebras. Not white, not black. No zebras. Stop thinking about zebras. What are you thinking about? Zebras. Come on, Max. You were. Listen, that's what many of us, that's how many of us approach our thought life. I don't want to think about this. I'm going to stop thinking about this one thing. I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to think about this. What you need to learn how to do is to replace that thought with something else. If you don't want to think about zebras, picture an elephant. Gray, big, floppy ears, squiggly tail, big trunk. You're not thinking about zebras anymore. Why? Because now you've got a new thought to dwell on. Can I tell you the life, a victorious life in Christ can borrow from that idea. If you will learn how to expel unwanted thinking, negative sinful thoughts from your mind and learn how to replace it with thoughts that honor Jesus Christ, you will learn how to walk in victory before the Lord. You will learn how to live a life full of gratitude 
and contentment if you learn how to simply replace the thoughts that aren't wanted in your mind. And I, I, I think that this is a place where many, many, many people live in bondage to their own thought life. Many of you in this room have been subject to a, a scattered mind. You've been subject to anxiety and fear and depression and worry and racing thoughts. Let me show you what the Bible says about that. In Colossians chapter three, Paul said, what do I do with my mind? I set my mind on things above, not on earthly things. What should my mind be preoccupied with? With things from above, with things of God. Philippians chapter four, many of you will recognize these words. Finally, brothers, he said, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. What should my mind be occupied with throughout the day? Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, lovely, admirable, notable, praiseworthy, think about such things. The Bible tells us what to fill our minds with. Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In the same way, friend, that the gateway to transformation is renewing your mind, I believe, church, that the gateway to perfect peace is by keeping your thoughts fixed on him. Consider these my, my late Christmas gift to you. These would be great memory verses. Some of these might be a life verse for you. Maybe Isaiah 26.3 becomes your verse for, for 2024. You know what? I've got a lot, of, a lot of uncertainty in my life right now. We've got a lot of change happening in our family. But the word of God says to me today in Isaiah 26.3, he will keep in perfect peace him whose mind has stayed on me because he trusts in me. Make that your life verse this year, friend. My gift to you, God's gift to you. James 4.7 Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Listen, church, listen to me. Listen, if you're listening, say amen. Most resisting happens in your thoughts. There are times where your resistance to the enemy will be a physical act. But most times, friend, your resisting of the devil happens right here in your mind and in your heart, it is an internal activity. The Bible promises you, James 4, 7, that if you will resist the devil, he will flee from you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Almost always happens in your head. I'm gonna give you something that, that I'm gonna get made fun of for later, but I do not care, okay? I get teased for my rhymes and for the, the corny things that I sometimes say, but I will not apologize for this one, okay? You know why? Because I'm confident that this statement's gonna get stuck in some of your heads. You ever, you ever heard the phrase cease and desist? You know what it means? Like if somebody says, man, they just need to cease and desist. That means I want you to step back. Like it's time for them to back off, to lay back and to remove themselves from the situation. Cease and desist. Let me say to you, church, if the devil isn't desisting, maybe you're not resisting. Yeah. 
Because the word of God says in James 4, 7, that if you will resist the enemy, he will flee from you. Not might, not maybe, he will flee from you. And if the devil isn't desisting, maybe you're not resisting enough. And it happens right here. Some of you, I, I know some of you battle fear, anxiety, worry, stress. I, I want to share this with you, then I have one more verse, then I'm going to hand it off in just a minute to GT North. I know this is a bit of a longer message, but I, I think it's super important. The only thing that fear should ever meet in your mind is fierce opposition. Fear should never be welcomed in your thought life. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Think about that. The word of God says, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. All 100 billion neurons, 15,000 synaptic connections, a sound mind God has given you. But your thoughts are your responsibility. In fact, I'm going to hand it off right now to GT North, to Pastor Eric. Love you guys. Uh, Eric's going to close out there. I'm believing God for amazing things in and through our church at GT North. Love you all. Have an amazing day. It says in Isaiah 40, 54, 17, this is the last one that I'm going to close our service today. Again, I'm believing that God is setting some things in motion right now for you. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what, what's, what you've been battling right now, but I believe that this new year, God is setting something in motion for you right now in this moment. Some of you will recognize Isaiah 54, 17. For some of you, this is your life verse already. Maybe you'll adopt it today. It says, no weapon formed against you will prosper, will prevail. And you will refute every lying tongue that accuses you. Whose job is it? Whose job is it to refute the lies of the enemy? You. No weapon formed against you will prevail and you will refute every lying tongue that is against you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord Almighty. Your heritage, people of God, is to, be, is to prevail against the enemy. That is your vindication and your heritage in Christ Jesus, to walk in victory and to prosper when a weapon is formed against you. No weapon formed against me will prosper, and I will refute every lying tongue that accuses me. This is the heritage of the Lord for the servants of the Most High God. Church, that's a good heritage. That's a good inheritance for you. Come on, somebody. You must take an active role in renewing your mind. Friend, you, you can be passive no longer. I promise you, if you take a, a passive posture, in managing your thought life, in, in resetting what's happening here. If you are passive, you will not be in control of your thought life. But if you take an active posture saying, you know what, I'm gonna take seriously this year what Paul said, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I will take an active posture 
in resetting my mind as often as necessary. I promise you, the word of God will be true in your life and you will begin to walk in a new dimension of victory in your life. In a new level, a new depth of insight and revelation will come into your life. And the Lord will cause you to walk in, in victory over, your, over those things that hold you back in your life. But it starts right here. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me go back to close this message. Let me go back to Romans 12 too. I read this already to open the message. He said, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed how? By the renewing of my mind. I wanna read the second part to what Paul said. Because there's a result, there's a byproduct that will happen in your life if you'll simply begin to renew your mind. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, friend, this is an if-then statement. If you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How do I discover the will of God for my life in 2024? By renewing your mind. By living out Romans 12 too. By petitioning the Holy Spirit in your life. How do, I, how do I discover God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will? By renewing your mind. So here's the thing. So again, let me, let me kind of reiterate something I said already. Your mind and my mind, I don't want to, there have been nights that I've, my mind has been a mess. Whenever we carry stress, we've got relationships that are in turmoil. We've got a marriage that is, is creating difficulty right now. Many of us, every one of us have experienced probably sleepless nights and unrest up here. It's, it's become difficult. I want to remind you today that God has given you one of the greatest gifts of all. He has given you an advocate to live with you. And the Bible says, Jesus' own words in John 14, 6, that I will send another, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to, to be an advocate for you. If you're a child of God in this room, if you're listening online and you're a child of the living God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit walks beside you. Pastor, man, I've got 100 billion neurons and 99 billion of them are out of control right now. God gave you the Holy Spirit to help you with that. And you need to cry out to him. Not only is he with you, church, he lives inside of you. If you're a believer in this room and listening, the, the spirit of the living God takes up residence inside of us. He lives inside of you and he is there to partner with you, to cooperate with your efforts. Your thoughts are your responsibility. Why don't you cry out to the Holy Spirit? Holy Spirit, will you please help me with my thought life right now? Holy Spirit, will you please help me get this thought out of my mind, the way I'm thinking about this person, my unforgiveness right now. Holy Spirit, will you help me with that? God has not left you alone to manage 100 billion neurons. He has given you his spirit. And the spirit of living God brought, if he can bring Jesus out of a grave, he can help you with your thought life. He can help you renew your mind. He can help you reset your thought life. He can help you manage all of that. The spirit of the living God is inside of you. What if, so pastor, what if I'm not a Christian? Like what, what do I do? Like, man, let, let me say this as, as delicately as I can. 
to you. If you're here today, I know the snow and many of us in this room are the already convinced, maybe you're joining us online and, and you're convinced too, but some of you may be listening today, maybe haven't made a decision to receive Jesus. You're like, man, this, this is overwhelming. Like my, my mind seems to rule my life. Like what do I, God is ready to give you his Holy Spirit, but there's only one condition. The condition is this, that you first place your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as God's son. And in return for your decision to embrace Jesus Christ as the son of God who died on a cross, he shed his blood for your sin. The Bible says he came out of that grave on the third day. Ultimately, he ascended to heaven and now lives to intercede for you. Jesus lives and sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for each of us. And he will give you his spirit. All you need to do is invite Jesus to save your life. It's a a win-win, friend. You win on both fronts. You win because if you receive Jesus as your Lord, you get your sins forgiven, you get heaven as your home, and he puts his spirit inside of you to help you in this endeavor of managing your thought life. That's a win-win-win scenario. And I can't imagine a better way for you to start 2024 than to decide that, you know what? I am done with living life my way. I am 100% finished trying to live this out on my own. I need God's help. I am desperate for the help of God Almighty, for the Spirit of God. I am desperate for Jesus to come in, to wash me clean, to forgive my sins, to make me new, to become a child of God, and to make heaven my home. There there could not be a better way for you to start this year than to give your life to Jesus. In fact, I want to invite you just to bow your heads, close your eyes, just for a very brief moment. If you're in this room, if you're listening online, you can respond as well. If you are here today and you've never before invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, you've never before had your sins forgiven, you've not before placed your faith in Christ as the Son of God who died on a cross, rose again, ascended to heaven, but you're ready to do that. You're you're like, Pastor, I don't don't wanna start a year without Jesus. I I wanna begin right now by embracing Christ as Lord. Would you just slip your hand up and let me know that you're making that decision? All heads bowed, thank you. All eyes closed. Anybody else in this room, you know what? I want to, Pastor, I want to make a decision right now. I'm going to start my year by taking a step to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord. If you're online, you can make that decision right now. In the, in the chat, they're going to put a link there that you can click on. You can raise your hand online and let us know that you made that decision. Anybody else say, you know what, Pastor? I want, to, I want to choose Jesus today. I'm done living life on my own. I'm done trying to make this work on my own. I need Jesus in my life. I need his spirit to help me in my life. Anybody else at all? I want to thank you. I see a couple more hands over here. Ushers, if you could get over here, we have a couple hands. They're going to put a bag in your hand, just some information, a booklet in there. There's a card that you could fill out, give to us after the service. Thank you, Lord. Can I lead you in a prayer? Everybody's gonna pray with you, those of you who raise your hand. And if you raise your hand online, everybody in this room is gonna pray these words with you out loud, just as a, 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 a kind of a reformation in our own lives to trust Jesus now with our lives. Let's pray these words. Dear Jesus, I'm asking you right now to do what only you can do. On this Sunday, I place my faith 
in Jesus Christ as the Lord of my life. I accept his forgiveness of my sin and behold, I become a new person because of Jesus Christ. I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to lead my life by your spirit. In your name I pray, amen. Church, we celebrate those who gave their life today? Come on. You know, Jesus himself said that when just one person makes a decision to embrace Christ as Lord, there's an eruption in heaven of the angels celebrating that just one person gave their life and their heart to Jesus. Today, we had many people give their life to Jesus. Let's celebrate that today. Come on. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. Church, will you stand with me today? We're gonna close this service. So glad you came today. So glad you tuned in. I believe that God is releasing something in your life, has been throughout the morning. I believe that these truths from the word of God just carry incredible potential to continue now, not just this momentary blip in time, but continue these truths in your heart and in your mind will produce fruit in your life every day this year. Let me remind you that we've got Growing Together that starts this Wednesday. I'll be there. I'll be teaching the first week. We'd love to have you go online and sign up. We'd love to see you on Wednesday night at seven o'clock. I want to remind you that we have a healing ministry. Um, New Year, I want to just make sure that you're aware that if you have a, a physical need or some other kind of need in your life that you'd like a small group of people to just pray with you about, our healing ministry meets on a Monday night and a Saturday morning. And all you need to do is call our church office sometime during the weekend and make an appointment. We do it by appointment only, so our team knows to expect who to expect. But you can call our office, get an appointment, and come and be prayed over. We have a small team of people that will believe God on your behalf for a miracle in your life. And then my final encouragement before we uh, dismiss our service today in prayer is just be part of a praying movement of believers this week. You're going to get in your inbox today um, those prayer points for every day this week. I hope you'll join me uh, and millions of believers all over this globe in the Assemblies of God and believing God for an awakening in our churches and in our nation. Let's pray today. Father, it's an absolute pleasure and joy to gather together on this first Sunday of the year. I thank you, God, for everybody who came out today to be present physically. And I thank you, God, for everybody who tuned in online or who watches this broadcast at a later time. I thank you, God, for what you are doing. I've been believing you, God, even today, for fresh oil, for fresh wind, and for fresh fire to come on this church, God, for a move of God. And that, oh God, you would allow streams of living water to flow from this church into our lives by your hand, oh God. And so, Father, now as we leave this place together today, Lord, would you, would you allow your blessing and your favor rest abundantly on our lives today, God, as we, as we make room for you to transform us by renewing our minds. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. God bless you, church. I love you so much. Hope you are blessed by what happened here today. Have an amazing week. Be safe as you travel. And we'll look forward to seeing you here next Sunday or growing together on Wednesday night. 
Have an awesome day. If you need prayer, please come forward. We've got team members who would love to pray with you today.